0: You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. And as we delve into this week's topic, a reminder that some of the content may be of a sensitive nature. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. All
1: right, well, it is Momentum once again. Hey, we are so grateful that you are tuning in. And actually, you know what, we're just so grateful to be here. This is, uh, Dez and I love sitting in this space, uh, my co host And good friend Des Kennedy, how are you this week, man? Are you good?
2: Yes, I'm really good. Looking forward to this week's show. It's going to be superb, as always. But uh, just by the way, um, don't forget our website, momentumaustralia.org, and lots of information, Mm -hmm. feedback, questions, all our podcasts are on there. And also, if you feel like supporting um, Momentum Australia practically by donating to the ministry, please uh, we would love you to do that. We uh, rely heavily on our on the donations we get to keep the show in the air. And also mm. don't forget Momentum Caroline, which is 1-800-000-MEN-636, brought to you by Momentum Connections. You can get help seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. Brilliant. Momentum Caroline, 1-800-000-636. And Tim, you're well.
1: I am. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to uh, to get back into this week's show. But before we do that, I just want to say, you know, we uh, we at Momentum, our whole heart behind what we do is helping men succeed in life. That's mm-hmm. our tagline, but it's true. Des and I have gone through some journeys and we we just look around and we go like, we, we want to help other guys in the stuff that perhaps that they're struggling with. And uh, one guy that we've had on the show fairly regularly since we started a few years back is Richard Fay. Um, good friend and uh, counsellor, RichardFay.com.au is his website. But, uh, you know, he's very honest and and open about stuff that he's journeyed through in his life. And this week, we're talking about sensory processing disorder, which is a condition that affects uh, basically how your brain processes sensory information, for example, things that you see, hear, smell, taste or touch.
2: You know, having sensory processing disorder generally means that you're overly sensitive to stimuli that other people are not affected by but the disorder also can be the reverse and that you know it takes more stimuli to impact you
1: and we're going to explore sensory processing disorder this week in detail with again our good friend and uh, counsellor richard Fay. welcome back to momentum richard thanks for coming back man and great to be back with you. Thank you. So we, we so enjoyed last week's show. We talked about the false self and the true self. And uh, I mean, that was huge. A lot to unpack in there. This is something this week that perhaps, um, I, I don't know that many men would have heard of this, uh, would even know what this is. Um, it might be a fairly new term, but um, when, when do you think that sensory processing disorder was officially, I suppose, recognized and acknowledged as a condition?
3: It's really only been in the last fifty years that we've identified it as something that people have, and its prevalence is relatively high. It's about for children, it's about one in ten. Uh, oh. For adults, it's lower because we tend to grow out of it to some extent. Our sensory, uh, our senses are a little more muted as adults than they are as children. It's mm. interesting, uh, for example, for me, uh, eating. Um, I, I Children have very, very highly attuned taste buds and therefore strong flavours are overwhelming for a child and therefore they need a lot of space and time to explore those flavours. And if parents get anxious and worried about those children eating, they might force them to eat things. They get anxious, then they form anxiety around eating and they can have all kinds of challenges there. That's just one small example. Uh, I, I, I hated the texture of chewing flesh. It seemed abhorrent to me as a child that we would chew flesh because I was made of flesh. It's my brain was actually feeling the sense of chewing meat as mm. a horrendous thing. Now, as an adult, I can tell you I don't have any problem. I'm <laughs> not a vegetarian. Uh, I love meat, but as a child, I found that very difficult. So, we've, we've come to an awareness there. It's not officially diagnosed as a disorder within the Bible of disorders, which is called the DSM. Uh, however, it is identified and recognised and can be tested. It's also understood as highly sensitive people is another way to describe mm. it. Okay. Their senses are turned up or as Des said earlier, sometimes the senses are turned right down and people do things to try and taste or experience life more.
1: So, I I love, I just want to jump in and say, I love that we're talking about this because now at the age of 49, I can look back and go, I definitely had this as a kid, Um, but my parents had no idea with respect that this is how, they they just thought I was being, you know, a fussy eater or I was being uh, rebellious with not wanting to wear certain clothes because they didn't like the texture of them and all those sorts of things. So let's talk about you then because, I mean, you're with respect a little older than me and so back then this certainly wouldn't have been picked up when you were a kid. Tell us a bit about your childhood how this actually affected you and, and again, the response from your parents as you journeyed through this.
3: So, uh, it showed up in all kinds of ways. I've mentioned eating. A- another one is as I hated the feel of salt drying on my skin. So, if I went to the beach right. and got in the surf, I'd have to wash my skin clean with fresh water. And, of course, if you're with your peers, you know, you're 15, 16 years old and you're with a few mates and they're all carrying on as if they're having fun and you're feeling – uh, it, it, the best example is most people have a problem with fingernails on a blackboard. You say mm, that to yes. people and they have a bit of a reaction. Yes. It's like that feeling in your body a lot of the time.
2: Wow. Uh, mm.
3: Fingers on a balloon will freak me out. That's an auditory experience. Yeah. Uh, but for me, i will be at the beach and... Uh, I, I couldn't wear thongs because I hated the feeling of sandal grit between my feet and the thongs. He uh,
2: got me with that one.
3: <laughs> I'd be I'd be around walking in, sh- in, in, in shoes and socks, and everyone else would be in thongs, and and people would look at me. Guys would look at me and go, "What are you come some kind of wuss or something?" Yeah. So I would feel like I wasn't man enough. You know, I should be tough and strong, and I I feel like I had failed at manhood for some reason because I picked up emotional signals, physical signals, not just sensory signals, all kinds of signals, Mm. as if they're all dialed up a bit louder in me.
2: I mean, I never thought about the whole thong things, but now that I think about it, that's exactly the way I have been. I've never been able to wear thongs. And that's a good that's a good reason for it, yeah.
3: It is strange, isn't it? You yeah. you logically think, that, well, other people do, so must people must find no problems with it.
2: Yeah, and and I and I like you said, I always put myself down and say, why why can I why can I not wear thongs? There must be something wrong with me. Yes,
3: yes, yeah. Yeah. and actually, no, you're. In one sense, more fully alive than other people. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the story that helps us because yeah. it is just a physiological thing. Yeah. It's not something that 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 says anything about our identity, worth, character, uh, personality. It's just a physiological sense. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah.
2: But it's so easy to turn that, isn't it? So easy to turn that into something that affects you mentally. Yes. Yes.
3: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Another example is uh, roller coasters, theme parks, um, doing scary stunts, uh, hang gliding, jumping out of a working airplane, parachuting. All of those things for a highly sensitive person may be be Mm. really extreme. Mm. And for a person who's under-regulated, they might choose to do it. People who climb cliff faces without ropes – or, mm. or, or yeah. walk on tight ropes uh, over huge spaces, or, you know, uh, ride motorbikes at crazy speeds. Ah, we know who that nope. identifies nope. with that. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> some people, for some reason, they could be looking for a stimuli. Yeah. They're looking for an adrenaline rush because they feel life is muted. And sometimes for mm. some of those people, not mm. all of them, they are, th- no, I, I love an adrenaline rush. So trust me, I, I drive a, f- a fun car and I I. When I'm able to, I I have a bit of fun in that car. I try to follow the road rules, legally of course. <laughs> legally of course, <laughs> try. Um, and, and so, you no, know, I, I I do love adventure. I do love having fun. I actually love roller coasters, but some things will feel overwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. Really loud spaces, and I like a party. You go to a room and it's really loud. I don't want to get out of there. It's mm-hmm. overwhelming me.
1: Mm. So, Richard, firstly, tell us a, a bit about then your parents and, and how did they respond to you being like this, highly sensitive?
3: You're making a big fuss. You put that shirt on right now. Oh, you're being stupid. This is this is get out. You just just get out. Do what I say. All of those things would have been the typical responses. You mentioned clothing. So certain fabrics or labels, especially mm. if the label was.
1: Yeah. I de- cut the labels de- out of everything still.
3: <laughs> there it is. And and uh, of course that inter- that gets internalized. If you hear it over and over as a child, as an adult, you put on a fabric and you go, Oh, I don't like the feel of that. And then you go, the heaper's voice would go, Well, I should sure is yeah. normally an indication yeah. that you've you know you're living with a story that's not yeah. fitting you it's, it's it's not not helping you I go well no I I, I have my tastes I choose what I choose mm. I don't want to be defined for example I mentioned eating earlier I don't want to be defined by a, a limited diet just because of what I experienced as a child uh, so we need to constantly invite ourselves into a new experiences but from a place of adventure inquiry fun, uh, curiosity, not from a place of obligation, or you should, or you should be like other people.
1: So, so how did this change for you, this sensory processing disorder as you got older? And did was it just naturally that things started to dial back for you because of age? Or did you recognize it, get diagnosed with it, and then start to process it from there? How did that happen?
3: Uh, I, I have to tell you, when I first found out about it, which was uh, 13, 14 years ago, I went, oh my goodness, hello. In Mm. other words, it's a wonderful thing to discover you're not the only person with that experience and that's that a lot of people have that experience. Up until that point, all there was was internal judgments Mm. and suddenly there was a release. Now there's, there's something else I'm going to mention in this space. So for me, that was an aha moment, a discovery. And it's interesting, once I realized it was okay to have be a highly sensitive person and there are gifts to it because you read your environment better than people who yeah. don't have this. Yeah, yeah. You become more aware of what's happening around you. Uh, then it normalises and then you can press more into those uncomfortable experiences and test where your limits are. I'll give you another example is, is, uh, is, is, is climbing exposed spaces. I get uh, – uh that awareness of of um, almost like vertigo if I'm climbing climbing a very steep hill without any trees like a rock face mm. and uh, my mates will just walk up the hill and they'll be able to uh, challenge themselves standing at the very edge of a, of a cliff I, I back right, right away and when I've been with my mates and I've gone this is where the dialogue starts up you see you're not a man if you're a man you'd be you'd, you'd have guts. You'd be brave. You'd stand right at the cliff edge, looking over that edge, but you can't because you're not a man. Wow. Now, now, when I I remembered walking up uh, this this cliff face, this uh, this rock wall, um, in a place called Garroway National Park in southeast Queensland, and I got halfway up the hill, and I was feeling very uncomfortable in my body, and it was sunset, and my mates kept walking up the hill, and I was all alone halfway up the hill, and the and the dialogue started up. They have a much better view than you. They're so much more men than you. They're so oh, much wow. braver than you. And I listen to that voice and go, "Oh, hello. I'm comfortable here. This is what I choose. I choose this. Mm-hmm. I've got a good enough you, and I don't have to push myself any further. I push myself this far, and I'm enjoying this. And they're not braver than me. They don't have the signal input that I've got. They don't sense danger like I do. My sense of danger has turned up to." to 11 on a dial that only goes up to 10. And theirs <laughs> might be at 5 or 6 or 7. Mm. And everyone has their point. And the po- the person who has no sense of danger is the person who's going to die. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because eventually they're going to push their luck. They're yeah. going to go into something that's – so I'm glad I've got that dial. And I'm, I'm thanking my body for telling me – thank you for telling me about danger. So I'm doing some self-care. I'm taking out myself out of this narrative, what it means to be a man that's, you know, bravado and guts and all of that. I choose not to be part of that. I choose this. Mm. And you know what? They're at the top of that hill and they don't feel like, oh, we're so much better than Richard. What a wimp. But of course, as a teenager, I would have heard it.
1: We're going to take a short break. This is another fascinating conversation. We're talking about sensory processing disorder this week on Momentum with our special guest, Richard Fay. We're going to take a short break. Encourage you to have a quick look around some websites as we do that richardfay.com.au and, of course, the Momentum website, MomentumAustralia.org. And we'll be back with Richard Fay in just a moment. Stay tuned.
0: This is Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org.
1: All right. Well, thanks for hanging around and tuning back in. It is Momentum. We are all around Australia and uh, loving having you with us this week. And uh, hopefully you're enjoying our conversation this week on sensory processing disorder with uh, Richard Fay. You know, Richard, just before we cut to the break, you were sharing a story about uh, you climbing a, a mountain, I think it was, or a hillside, and you you stopped about halfway and the, the guys ended up going to the top and you, you kind of reconciled that this was okay for you and you did the internal dialogue and internal work, and calmed yourself down, and it was all good. Um, I just had some thoughts, you know, during the break to say, for, for guys, you know, as men, if we're not securing ourselves, we we would perhaps not do that. What we'd by that I mean, we'd probably follow the pack mentality, the peer pressure thing of, you know, well, I don't want to look like a, an idiot or a failure or a loser in front of my friends, so I'll do this behavior even though I feel super uncomfortable. Uh, but I'm going to do it because I don't want to feel like, you know, they're judging me or I'm less of a man or whatever it may be. Can you just speak into that space as men generically? Because let's be honest, I mean, all of us can feel that at times. Um, And yet the way that you handled that was just so different. It was mature. It was loving and caring of yourself, um, being mindful of them and their responses, but also not allowing yourself to go down that track
3: we have in our physiology our biology is uh we actually mammals in our physiology we we belong in a herd or a tribe if for in our case mm. because it's safety in numbers if you're mm. inside the 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 herd then the lion won't pick you off and that's so strong in our biology that we will then force ourselves sometimes to conform to external expectations or or the tribe's expectations of us so we have to give parts of ourselves up and we don't even know where the the line is so we give more and more of ourselves up we can end up in the wrong group we end up in a group of people we're doing things that uh, uh, this will make me look tough and it's actually defying our, our, our sacred sense of who we are just so we feel like we're included mm. i want to be in school i want to be i want to be in the cool group and what do the cool group do well they sleep around and they take drugs and they they do crazy things well i will do what they do just so i belong and i'm included and that can keep going i choose friends that make me look strong or successful or powerful but actually i'm miserable the whole time And I think that's the only way I have worth or value, by giving my own sense of self up because I'm afraid of what other people will think. And I have to be like the ones that I I identify as stronger than me, as more successful than me. So, I play their game. What a dumb way to be. And yet, so many of us as men do it. So Mm. many of us. Mm. And, And I could confess that I've done it. Uh, I- I- at times in the past, and I've ended up feeling it less as a person. Yeah. So what I do then is I take on some role in the group. I might, I was the jester. I'll make him laugh. I won't be the toughest. I won't be the coolest. I won't be the, the, the most, uh, adventurous, but I'll be the funniest. And of course, then I'm constructing some version to help me belong in this group. So they're laughing, which means I must be funny, which means I must be. Uh, a valued member of this tribe. Mm. Actually, I'm functioning outside of who I really am. I'm pretending to belong. These aren't my people. Mm. If they need me to be like them, then they're not worth having as friends. If they accept me for who I am, then they're worth having as friends.
1: Mm.
3: I don't have to be something.
2: I mean, that's profound in itself, isn't it? Just, I mean, that message alone. Mm. If, if you have to pretend, then there's something wrong with those who are around you.
3: Yes, absolutely. Or or you are stuck with a belief that they have that expectation of you. In other words, if I pushed myself to the top of that granite outcrop to be with my mates, they wouldn't have been, any, because they were my friends, they wouldn't have been any the wiser that I'd dr- driven myself to a point of almost apoplexia d- mm. to, to get to the top. They wouldn't have cared. Yeah. I'm giving I'm giving my own sense of self up to try and get their validation and then if I don't get it I have to go do something else because I'm not getting it yes external validation is natural for a child very unhelpful for a man
1: mm-hmm. wow Richard let's jump back onto the the sensory processing disorder and you said I think it was about 14 years ago that you finally you know the the, the things started to slot in place and go, oh, okay, that's what I was dealing with as a kid. So, as an adult now, um, are you still affected? Is this still something that you uh, are aware of in your day-to-day? Has it dialed right back for you? What does it look like now for you?
3: Yeah, I think if I was still climbing a mountain, I would be more risk-averse than most of the people I'm with, most likely. Um, I, I still have a shower every time uh, uh, at the beach, every time I go into the salt water to wash Mm. the salt off me, but I'm far less judging. I'm so much more accepting of what's happening in my body and, uh, tolerant of it. As I said, with eating, um, there's still things I, I simply won't eat. And that's a beautiful thing to come to go. No, actually I don't have to, I don't have to be anything other than who I
1: am. Yeah. Mm.
3: And that was so freeing Mm. and liberating, yeah.
1: Richard, um, as adults, right, you've talked about the idea of self-regulating, which is fine because as an adult it's probably easier than as a child. But if we've got a small child and it looks like they've got SPD or they're highly sensitive, um, what sorts of things can we do or say – because they're going to they're gonna struggle to self-regulate, I would assume, as a small child. They don't have the ability or language or whatever to be able to do that. So how can we as parents then um, parent a child that, that might be highly sensitive
3: don't rush children highly sensitive people hate being rushed for example you need to get dressed now we've got going in five minutes not helpful for a highly sensitive person they might need 15 minutes to give them more warning if they're putting on socks and the seam at the sock is on the inside of the sock they might hate that and you <laughs> might have to they might have to wear socks inside out and you might think that's crazy But it's really easy to wear a sock inside out and it doesn't really matter. Mm. If they want to wear something that you think looks a bit odd or it wasn't what you planned, be flexible. As I said, don't rush them. They will probably have a process of doing things which feels right or comfortable for them. Don't say, well, this is the way we're doing it. Don't be rigid with you the way in which you go about things. Be more flexible so you can accommodate their uniqueness rushing is a key point there
1: what about the food thing because that's a biggie right i mean for me as a highly sensitive kid the food was well it was not good (laughs) Uh, it was not good
3: western children with loving parents do not starve they do not starve (laughs) it does not happen yeah so uh don't say to children you will sit there until that's finished not helpful uh well you'll get it for breakfast tomorrow morning not helpful <laughs> not helpful but you can say it's okay if you don't want to eat it but we're going to eat it and you're welcome to say at this table and not eat it mm. but we're going to enjoy it because it's yummy Well, i understand if you don't feel like eating it that child will watch everyone carrying on eating and that child will often experiment with the food more safely now because it's safe too mm. and if they don't Clear the plate off. And they might come to you an hour or two later and say, I'm hungry. At that point, you go, well, unfortunately, dinner's over. I can get you something small and it has to be healthy, not, oh, well, here's some chocolate or ice cream. No, no, no. They did not eat dinner. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And it has to be within some bounds of what they will eat. Now, well, here's some sliced capsicum and some avocado and maybe a, a bit of cucumber or something, whatever they're going to eat. And, and of course, knowing flavors that are avocado is really helpful because it's a blander flavor mm. as long as they can handle the texture mm. and sometimes the texture of something yeah. frozen. For example, kidney. I steak and kidney pie and I could not eat the kidney and my mother would get angry but eat steak and kidney pie and all the kidney on the side of the plate and she'd tell me to eat it and I'd go I'm not eating that <laughs> and, and you know what I'd hold it in my mouth until she was out of the room I had a capacity <laughs> of all food my, do <laughs> not you just learn well that that's okay the kidney goes to the side it doesn't matter if they had everything else on the plate <laughs> notice texture and strong flavour <laughs> will be a trigger be patient allow them more time to eat And and guess what? You can stay there and eat. We'll just chat. And if we've got to go somewhere quickly, well, you've got to allow more time for them to eat because they might be slow eaters. Highly sensitive people are often very slow eaters. Mm. Do not use anxiety. Oh, dear, they'll starve. Anger. You will eat what I put in front of you. Uh, Punishment. You'll get it for breakfast. Or you're not leaving the table until it's done. None of those things work. A highly sensitive person will be more stubborn than you. Mm. They will win. (laughs) And all you'll create is an anxiety around more food.
1: Yeah, Mm. it's true. Um, We've opened up a bit of a can of worms, no pun intended, but um, sensory processing disorder, I mean, maybe this has come as a revelation to you in a light glow moment, and, and hopefully that has because it certainly did for me. Uh, and I think actually it was through you, Richard, that I actually discovered that, oh, you mentioned this once, and I went, oh, I think that was me as a kid, and it's everything just fell into place. So it was kind of cool. Sensory processing disorder. As Richard said, um, hsperson.com is a good website to look at. Also, you can go to spdaustralia.com.au for details, and they will give you some more information about this. But do some research, and uh, when you get off this show... Uh, Go back and have a listen to the podcast and uh, maybe it'll help you out. Also, check out Richard's website for details, RichardFay.com.au and momentumaustralia.org, of course, is our website. We've had Richard Fay on Momentum in the last couple of weeks. Richard, it is always a pleasure. A couple of big topics there, as always, that we've delved into and we've uh, really appreciated your input, mate. Thank you. Lovely being with you both. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again,